should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion my constant His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches over me, and I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm That's our God, right? His eyes on the sparrow. He watches over me. Boy, I'm thankful for His watch care, His protection, His love, His faithfulness, His faithfulness to us. Would you take your Bible, if you would, please, and come to the time of service where we open the Word of God. And I'm excited to see what God has for us. And God has been speaking to me, and I ask Him to continue to speak to me, even as we look at this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, the New Testament. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, we find ourselves in chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and once you've found your place there, we'll look to a few verses at the beginning of this chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and you find your place. If you'd stand with me as we have respect for the Word of God, we'll read a few verses here this morning, and we'll look to see what God has for us, and I thank the Lord for His Word, and I thank the Lord for Himself, and what a great God we have to give us His Word so that we know what, what He wants of us in our life. 
In chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1 reads this way, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? As if thou hadst not received it. Lord God, I come to you and I thank you for your word. I thank you that you can use your word in our life. And Lord, it promises not to return void. So Lord, I pray that you will once again allow it to take root into our life. Lord, may it encourage us. May it challenge us. Lord, may we go out of here not the same way we came in. I pray for anyone who's not saved, does not know you as their personal Savior, that they would come to know you today. Today would be their day of their salvation. Lord, I ask for those who are saved that we would be continue to be more sanctified for you. And Lord, I pray that we will find ourselves wanting to live for you based upon the Word of God and what you have for us. Teach us and show us exactly what's needed. Lord, encourage the one that's hard is the heaviest today. And Lord, I pray that you will use me in spite of who I am. I pray that you will be only seen and not myself at all. I ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You know, the greatest association we can possibly have is with God. To be ministers of Christ and as stewards of God, the best relationship that you and I can possibly have is a relationship with God. I want to ask you this morning as we look at this title, I want to ask you today, are you with God? And say, is God with you? I said, are you with God? I want to ask you this morning, are you with God? You know, associations matter. Who you're with, who you associate with, and the greatest association, the greatest relationship that one can possibly have is none other than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Albert Einstein was very glad for an association of someone who knew him and someone who was with him as he was on a train headed to Princeton. The conductor came down the aisle and he recognized Albert Einstein. How many of you recognize that Albert Einstein has quite the hairdo? Yes, he sure does. I don't know if he even did anything to it, but I think he just kind of let it go. But uh, anyways, Einstein was on this train and he reached into the vest pocket and he could not find his ticket. He reached into his briefcase, he could not find his ticket. 
And of course, the conductor is there to, like Polar Express, you know, you know, and, and to get the ticket uh, punched through. But he could not find his ticket. Here's one of the smartest men in the world and known to be a genius, and, and he could not find his ticket. And so he gets down and looks underneath the seat and, and looks underneath the seat next to him and is wondering where his ticket might be. And the conductor kindly said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. Don't worry about it. And then he went, the conductor went on his way to the, to the next uh, car. And as he goes to the next car, he looks b- b- back behind him and he sees Dr. Einstein still looking for his ticket. And he's wondering why, and so he goes back to Dr. Einstein and says, Dr. Einstein, it's really, it's okay, and, and it's no problem. Don't worry about your ticket. I know who you are. No problem. You, you're fine. You, you'll be able to stay on this train. And you, really, you don't need a ticket, Dr. Einstein. And Dr. Einstein said, young man, I too know who I am. I just don't know where I'm headed. You know, Dr. Einstein was thankful to have that conductor that day, but who you are with gives you association, and to be with someone, you have to have them in your life. So when I want to ask you this morning, do you have Jesus Christ in your life? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? We say this, we say when someone passes from this life to the next life, to hopefully heaven and as opposed to hell separated from God, heaven with God, we say this, we say, well, they're with God. But you know, they're, they're with Jesus now, and, and, and I understand what we mean by that, but I would say this, that the only way you'll be with Jesus that day is if you're with Jesus today. And you must have Jesus today. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ for heaven? You say, well, don't you know who you're speaking to? Yes, in a crowd like this, there's a high, high chance that someone still does not know the Lord. And this is a great group to be in if you do not know the Lord, because we're going to encourage you in the ways of God, and we're going to encourage you to make the decision about heaven. We want to take it for granted that everyone in this room today, whether you've been attending for years or days, or or no matter how long you've been in this church, there still could be very much some that we might get to heaven and be surprised. Where are they? Because you must have a time in your life where personal Savior and time in your life where you know Jesus Christ became your Savior. You know, a great thing takes place when you trust in Christ for heaven. You realize you're a sinner and you realize that Jesus died for that sin. And you take Jesus Christ into your heart, believing in Him fully for salvation and not of your works, lest man should boast. But no, it's only by the grace of God that He died for you and, and was buried and then rose again and the scriptures according to the scriptures this is all true and this is all real and whether you believe it or not is up to you but from a relationship that begins with Christ there should be an ever-growing desire to spend time with Christ I want to say to you this and tell you resoundingly that there should be no question in the matter that God comes to be with you Bible says in, in Matthew, it says, Emmanuel means God with us. So God is with us. Even where two or three are gathered, God says, I'm in the midst. And He says in Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So it's not a question whether God is with us. The question is, are we with God? Are you and I with God? 
Matthew 28 says, teaching them to deserve all things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you, always, even to the end of the world. So what I'm asking you today, and what I'm asking myself today, am, am I with God? Is, is, is there an association that I am with God? We use terms like this. We use terms like, I'm a Christian and I'm a believer. Can I tell you something even stronger than that? To be a follower of God. You know, we connotate ourselves, well, I'm a Baptist, and, and, and you know, that gives us a differentiation maybe there of, 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 from other groups and, it, and, and those kind of things. That, but you know, it's important that we have identity. It's important, and our identity first comes from God, but it's more important that, and there's more of a demand than just saying, well, I'm a Christian or I'm a believer. What if we said, no, I'm a follower of God? You know, if we were asked that, are you a Christian? And we said, well, I'm actually a follower of God. You know what that does? It puts a higher demand that I'm actually following God. It actually puts something on me, that it's, and it's, it's a matter that I have to now have accountability. It's a higher accountability that I'm, I'm not going to say I'm just following God if I'm not following God. My boys, at, at times, I'll be walking, and, and I guess my legs are longer still at this point. I, I, I kind of question that with my own son, Ty. He's taller than me now, but I'll, I'll be walking, and I'm headed to a direction and headed somewhere, and then I look behind me, and, and they're kind of you know, behind me, and they're kind of getting out of reach, and I say, are you with me? You know, the closer they are to me, the, then the, the turn that I make into to this door or to, or to this place or, or to, to, to wherever I'm headed, then they know, oh, Dad went there. But if I'm so far behind, then they might not know where I went. And by the way, the closer they are, the better protection it brings for them and for me. So I need to be in step. They need to be in step. And I need to be in step with God, and they can be in step with Dad. And, and so that brings protection. It brings a witness with God. And I ask you, are you a true follower of Jesus? Say, I'm a Christian. Wonderful. I'm thankful for that. I'm a believer. Thank God that you believe in God. But here's the question, are you and I a follower of God? Because Jesus said this, hey Peter, follow me. Hey disciples, follow me. And over and over he said, and beginning and end of the minute of, of really Peter's life, the start and the end, he said, follow, 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 and everything was measured by it. You know, a Christian can be satisfied to just relate to God and accept liberation from hell, and a Christian can praise and can sing about God, and a Christian can find solace and comfort and, and joy in Christ and be intrigued with Jesus. But a true follower of God is going to be bent toward Christ in all that they do and follow Him unconditionally. You know, in Acts it says, "...when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant, men they marveled, and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus this week? Have you been with Jesus this morning? Have you been with Jesus? Is it obvious that you've been with Jesus? Does Jesus show up on your life? And does it show out of your life? And we're to have a steadfast love for God. I wonder who are you and I really spending time with? You know, who you love, you spend time with. Do you love God? This morning, would you take your Bible and turn to Ephesians 3? I'd like you to see something in Ephesians 3, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3, the Word of God in Ephesians 3 is talking to us this morning, and I'd like you to see this. 
Could God today say, hey, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? God says, are you with me? See, He knows whether you're with Him or not. Verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is their breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. It's very interesting. The Word of God says, be rooted and grounded. That's some depth. That's some seriousness there. This is not just some love. This is not like lightning. You know, when a storm comes and it's bright and it's flashy and it's powerful and, and it, it's intense and, and it brings some intensity and it makes a lot of noise, but it doesn't last. Very quick effect. No, God says be rooted and grounded in love. A true Christian is to have a constant love for God, to God, and for God's people. I want to ask you today, are you with God? You know, our life shows whether we're with God or not. There should be obvious evidence of our love for God, that we have been with God. Gandhi, one of the world's perspective, known to be one of the 20th century's greatest political leaders, said this, famously and sadly said this, I like your Christ about Christians. I do not like your Christians. And this is why your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Ephesians 3.18 says, May be able to comprehend with all saints what is their breadth and length and depth and height. And by the way, it says, with all saints. It's very interesting. It's to permeate all of us. It starts with each one of us. It's to be in all of us that we know the love of Christ and it be filled with it. So much filled with this fullness of Christ that, that it permeates us and it, and it just takes over. It's overflowing and it's, it's a connotation of a ship being totally full. All the cargo, all the rowers, all, all the sailors, all the merchandise, all the freight. And it's just overflowing. As if it's overflowing, almost about to go into the water. It's so filled with the fullness of God and entire capacity and entire conformity to Christ. And it sounds like whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know, when you're overflowing, you can't hide an overflow. If I were to fill this glass up and, and, and it continue to fill it up past the point of the glass, obviously it's going somewhere. It's going, it's going to make a mess. God is saying, overflow, be so full with me that in fullness with God, be filled, truly overflowing. It shows up in your life and it's your God's. You're with God. Deuteronomy says this, What the Lord required thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways, and to love Him, and to serve the Lord with thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Dear church, what I'm saying is this, that the best relationship that you and I can possibly have is a relationship with God. How's your relationship? Strong? Weak? Tight? Loose? Snug? Right in step with God? Lagging behind. Paul in 1 Corinthians 4, would you turn there back with me please? 1 Corinthians 4, he says, Let a man so account of us as a ministers of Christ. You know, if you're in accounting, you know what that word account means. 
And if you've turned in your taxes, you know what account means. An account means simply that. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the dreaded inventory, you know what account means. Where everything gets tagged. That's what account means in this verse. And to account means that, that everything is going to be taken in account of. And, and so it's really what's there. It's not just a perception, but it's really coming off the shelf. It's really going to be counted. It's going to make the number. It's getting tagged. It's a description of exactly what was there. It's the bank account when it says $25. Unfortunately, there's only $25 in there. Now, you can write a check for $30, but it's going to bounce. Because it's really what's there. And so when we're with God, it shows in our being that we have been with God. So my question for you today is this, what's accounted for of us? It says, ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Number one this morning, ministers of Christ. You say, well, Paul is talking about himself. Yes, he is. But aren't we all to be ministers of Christ? What's a minister? Well, a minister is someone who is literally speaking about God. And so our lips and our life are to be talking about God. He says, a minister of Christ. He said, mysteries of God. Mysteries don't have to stay a mystery. Mysteries are not a mystery if you're in the Word of God. But the Word of God will continue to be a mystery to you. Man, I don't know what they're talking about. It's a mystery. Because the mysteries come from God's Word. You've got to be in God's Word to know the mysteries. But you know this, that we're all, in some ways, a preacher, whether you like it or not. You're a preacher. So I didn't know I was a preacher. Yeah, we're all preachers. We're all preaching some message with our lives. And we're all preaching with our lives, so much so that the Bible says this in Mark 16, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The word minister here doesn't just mean that we have lip service. It also talks about life service. And so this word minister is another word for servant. Catch this, please. What we just looked at with the fullness of God, the ship overflowing. Here's another connotation with a servant. A servant is known for actually a literal reference to the ones who were rowing and under the authority of the master who is asking to, to row the ship and to not be in charge. The one in charge of the ship was the master giving orders to the ones rowing the ship. So they were in lower levels of the ship, and these great huge ships were propelled down the water and down the way and in the ocean, and they're propelled by the ones with the hands on the oars, rowing. And you know, if you've gotten even into canoe or what any kind of vessel that's on the water, you need to be rowing in the same direction on the same side to go straight. Now, if you want to go in circles, then you won't follow the instructions of the Master's command. You, you, want, to, you want to do things your own way, then, then you're, going to, you're going to continue to just go round and round and round and round and round and round we go in the water. Paul says, when, when judgment is made, God, this is what I want. That When the verdict is rendered, when it's accounted for, this is what I want. That I'm a third level in the galley, an under rower, unknown, unheralded, unhonored. But we pulled our oar, God. We had our oars on, on, on your, on the, on our, and our hands on, on the oars that you told us to. And we were so much so moving that oar in the exact direction that you want us to move. God, we're faithful. 
God, we're, we're doing what you told us to do. And God, we're not looking to be honored. We're not looking to get on the top deck. We're not looking to be in control. No, 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 no. Catch this, please. This is so important. Whose oar do you have a hold of? It's either yours or God's. You want to be on top deck and in control, guess what God sees? He, he wants you to be a servant, a minister. You know, man and appeals to leadership is, is an appeal to leadership by men and men alone. Servanthood is a term that appeals to God. Do you know this? The word leader is only found six times in the Word of God. Now let's look at the word servant over 900 times in the Word of God. I wonder, God must be telling us something. Parsons said it this way, you're either learning to follow Jesus, and, and if you're learning to follow Jesus, it requires you to continue to unlearn to follow yourself. Unlearn to follow yourself. Because a ministry of Christ is going to take humility. Letter A, humility. This is not an easy task. This is not something that everybody wants to sign up for. Matter of fact, if you were to see a help wanted in the newspaper or online, it would say this, and it would give somewhat this kind of description. It would say, it's someone to, to do often undesirable work for the sake of others. It's one who needs strong sense of worth in God's eyes alone and not their own. They must have true compassion for others. They must be personally acquainted with the greatest servant of all. Jesus Christ. you got to be at work that requires being on call 24 hours a day, more times than not. You must be willing to give up your own rights, and it's work day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. That's a servant of God. Anybody want to sign up, be a servant of God, and a minister of Christ, and are you with God? It's going to take humility. One, one person asked a preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he said, how can I be humble? He, he saw pride in his life, which, by the way, the, the first person to say you don't have pride in your life, I have pride in my life. We all have pride in our life. By the way, if you say you don't have pride in your life, it shows you do have pride in your life. It's a revealer that you, that you are so prideful. And so, Martin Lloyd-Jones just asked, how can I be humble? And the only way he said to be humble, he said, look at the cross and look into the face of Jesus Christ, and you can't be anything but else but humble because you'll realize who He is, what He has done, and you will be humbled. That's the way to be humbled. I want to ask you are, you, are you a humble servant? Are you willing to be a servant rowing, doing the unseen, grabbing hold of the oars of God? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to, with your life and lips, preach Jesus Christ? Him crucified, Him risen, Him coming again. Are you preaching Christ with your life and your lips? Because let her be, there's a heaviness. There's a heaviness to being a minister of Christ. You've got to be a steward. Not only a servant, but we see the mysteries of the, and the ministers of Christ and the stewards are the mysteries of God. A steward is this simple definition manage everything, own nothing. Manage everything, own nothing. See, you're a manager of everything for your master. But there's a heaviness to this. It's not to be taken lightly. It's a serious matter. It's not like a rental car. Where you get into the rental car, and I don't own this, so I'm just going to 
push the pedal to the metal here, and here we go, and I'm going to see what we can do, and who cares about this trash being put into this car, and how, how this kept, I'm not going to go vacuum it, I'm not going to even wash it, I don't care about it really, because I'm going to turn it in, and I just am renting it. That's not what God has in mind, as being a steward of what He's given to you. And this isn't just finances. This is, not, this is everything. Manage everything, own nothing. It's not to be taken lightly. It's a big deal. It means a lot to my master, so it's going to mean a lot to me. What God owns, I'm going to manage it well and, and do the best of my ability, no matter what it is. So what my master loves, I'm going to love. And if he loves it, I'll love it. If he doesn't love it, I better hate it. And so the steward is one who's been entrusted with the desires of the master, and not only with the things that he's given to us, but also with the things that we impart to others. So i got to be careful. Matthew Henry said, A steward does not set their fellow servants to work for themselves. A true steward doesn't require anything without first getting their master's permission and approval. A true steward does not feed their own inventions or ideas. Instead, they only provide true Christian doctrine and truth. Matthew Henry says, A true steward speaks to only what God commands and not the doctrines and commandments of men. A true steward must be the, to the true interest of their Lord and consult His honor, not their own. I want to ask you this morning, are you with God? Am I with God? Not are you with me. Are you listening to me? No, no, no. Are you listening to God this morning? Because I don't want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to God. Is God speaking to you this morning as being a minister of Christ? And are you truly a servant? Are you, are you a steward? Do you realize that you don't own anything, but you're to manage everything? I wonder what in your life today is from the Master that you're imparting to others. Is it the manifold grace of God? Is it the mysteries of God? When's the last time you and I opened up the Word of God and shared the Word of God? You say, well, you're trying to do that now. This is great, and I I'm, I'm, thank the Lord for this privilege and blessing, but this is not enough. Monday through Saturday... It's needed as well. The Word of God to be open. You mean I'm going to carry my Bible around with me? Well, the Word of God have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so i got to work on making sure the Word of God is within me. And maybe it do me well to at least have a New Testament. Maybe it do me well to at least have a track. The Word of God is on those. But are you a steward of sharing His Word, and steward of the Gospel, and steward of Scripture, and stewards of the fruits of the Spirit, and stewards of being faithful? Because why? This is what verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required. You know, something that's required is heavy. You and I don't like requirements. Nobody likes rules. We say, oh, rules without relationship breeds rebellion. You're exactly right. Are you with God? How's the relationship? Or are you fighting the rules? Is the rebellious heart within you? Oh man, it's my way or the highway. Well, that's not God's way. Our fleshly nature doesn't like it. doesn't like requirements. And it's execution of your master's interest, not your own interest. You're going to have to put your own aside. And matter of fact, you're going to have to trash your own interest. And get God's interest. Because God's interests matter more. You know, where am I going to find God's interests? Well, I've got to be in the Word of God. I've got to be a steward of His Word. And if you're not careful, this is what we as Christians do. We'll say, it's in the Bible. 
There's a lot of sins in the Bible as well, but you see the result of the sins. As a Christian, we better be very careful to not take the word out of context. There's a heaviness. There's a heaviness to being a steward of what God has given to us. What's in the Bible? Yeah, I know, Rachel lit off her camel and all that, but that's not talking about a cigarette. But it's in the Bible. You better look at the context. Better know what it's really meaning. Better know what it says. You know what? In our need for a world today, we need Christians who are more willing to adjust their lives to the Word of God than try to justify their life by what they think the Word of God says. Satan's old lie, yea, hath God said? Paul's saying, boy, there's some extreme carefulness. You've got to be very careful. You're going to rightly divide the Word of God. You've got to be careful. It's not to be taken lightly because verse 4, notice, I know nothing by myself. You have that spirit? Do I have that spirit? For I know nothing. Oh, I know something. I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not here by justified, but he... You, you see the seriousness of this? You see the heaviness to this? He that judgeth me is the Lord. That's the greatest judge ever. You and I are going to stand before God one day. For every idle word. Everything that happens. I'm going to stand before God for this message right now today. Do you think about that? Do you think about every motive and every move and everything you say and everything you do and everywhere you go and everything that is done is done before God and you're not hiding it? And God knows it and He looks right down into your heart and to the depths of it and sees the deep, deep, deepest part that no one else sees and you think is hidden and you think is covered and you think no one else knows. God knows. See, Paul's saying you've got to be very careful because God is the judge. Ironside said this, as long as I am faithful and open up the Word of God, I'm not concerned whether my sermons particularly appeal to you or not. As long as I know that I am pleasing Him that sent me, I'm not greatly concerned if I displease you. So your position and my position is under God. You and I will answer to God. We've got to be a steward, not just of gifts, not just of talents, not just of eloquence, but it's important we see, letter C, honor. Here's how honor comes, through faithfulness. Faithfulness. Verse 3, it says, But with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not my own self. There's honor. True servant of God, you know, when praise comes to you, do you direct the praise back to God? Most of us have no problem with praise. Most of us, here's our problem. The problem is we'd rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Paul says, I know nothing about myself. And by myself, I, I don't know nothing. I need, I need God. And God is is all I need, and, and through the grace of God, is anything that we are at all is because of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. A man who had pastored to work for over 40 years said this, when he had seen 60,000 converts come to the Lord. I, if I mention his name, many of you would know this man's name. He was asked by a young preacher, how were you able to pastor such a great work? And his response was, you must learn to die to self over and over again, you must die to criticism and die to compliments. Then and only then you may have the filling of the Holy Spirit. 
How did he see 60,000 converts get saved? How did he have such a great work for 40 years? Because he learned to die to self. He learned to die to criticism. He learned to die to compliments. No true servant of God is capable of praising their own service. A true servant of God only wants God's appraisal because they're being judged by the Lord. They're being judged by God. I ask you, are you with God? Samuel Bringle, Salvation Army, Boston, years ago, he passed by Salon and some men threw a brick at his head. Their aim was good and Bringle nearly died and he spent 18 months in recovery. During that time, he wrote a book called Helps to Holiness and thousands of copies were published. And after he began preaching, people would thank him for the book, and he would respond by saying, if there had been no little brick, there had been no little book. His wife saved the brick that it literally had hit him in the head and got it engraved with Genesis 50-20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You want honor? Get involved with humility and heaviness. You want to be in control? By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. You want to honor God? Have the attitude of Paul. It's a very small thing to be judged by you. Or of man's judgment. Because it's going to be required. It's going to be heavy. What is it required? Faithfulness. Number two, much of faithfulness. Much of faithfulness. This is something we all can do. This faith we say gets tested. Oh, yes, it does. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in a praise and honor and glory. You want to see what, what faithfulness looks like with Paul? Verse 8, it says, Now you're full. He says this all sarcastically. In essence, he's saying, Go for it. You're full. Now you're rich. You would have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God you did reign, that we also might reign with you. He's, he's being sarcastic. It's a, it's a spirit of sarcasm here. And he's in essence, hey, you want to be full? You want to be rich? Go for it, guys. You got it. Yeah, you, you, yeah you're good. You, you, you just do that. Because this is what a minister of Christ, this is what biblical Christianity could very well look like. Here it is for Paul, verse 9. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as are appointed to death, we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. Oh yeah, you've you got this together. You've got it all figured out. We are weak. Ye are strong. Ye are honorable. We are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands. Notice, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as a filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. You're going to take the heed? Heed the warning? Here's what it comes down to. If I may, I've gotten this, and I hope it's a help to you. It's an acrostic called Ego. Ego. I believe this. One of the two things will be happening. See, we all have faith in something or someone. And it comes down to our ego. You say ego, that must mean what, when you don't listen to advice and you're ready to follow it. 
You never look for flaws in your own life and you find them in others easily. You, you try to do everything yourself and you can't see yourself doing anything wrong and, and you alienate people over time and you're not sure why. All of a sudden, people are not around. No, no, that's not the ego I'm talking about, although that is an ego. That's the world's definition of ego. Here's ego, an acrostic, which means, letter A, edging God out. Edging God out. Notice with me, verse 6, it says, Brethren might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that not one of you be puffed up for one against another. Against another. See, when you edge God out, number one, you have a judgmental spirit. You have a judgmental spirit. You're the ones in verse 3 that it says, judged of you. But with me is a very small thing, I should be judged of you. And so when you're the ones in verse 3, then you know what it leads to? It leads to verse 6. You're puffed up. You're a big bubble blowing up. And you're puffed up so much so that you're going now against other people. One against another. It's a fight. The fight is on. My brother, it's not supposed to be with Christians. It's not supposed to happen. Paul's feeling the effects of people's judgment. This is what he's writing about. He's feeling their effects. And by the way, when you feel the effects of judgment, it changes your whole idea of judging others. You want to be judged? Take it up with God. God's the judge. Very few people get judged into life change. Far more people get loved into it. That's why you have 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. The presence of judgment toward others always guarantees an absence of love. It's been said you cannot judge someone and love them at the same time. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, do you know what it says? It says, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yes. And what it's talking about is comparing spiritual with spiritual. It's saying in Hebrews 5.14, even strong meat belong to them that are full of age, mature, grown up. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Here it is. To discern between good and evil. Here's the difference of judging. Are you judging for your image, my image, or God's integrity? God's integrity. How much does God's integrity matter in your life today? Is it a big deal that you're with God? That you show Jesus in your life? Then you will care about what God cares about. And it will become not a matter to you about your image, how you look. Because this is where pride comes in. And we live for what people want. We think of men, verse 6, above that which is written. Above. Men above that which is written. And we live for what people want. It shows more faith in men than God. Not to think of ourselves highly for ourselves. Our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Paul says, In me that dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, and how to perform that which is good, I find not. Not me, I don't think too highly of myself. Well, what happens when someone else's ideas are better than your own? Do you judge the value of an idea or suggestion based upon who gave it? Does that matter more to you? Do you find yourself boasting of accomplishments, position? The wrong kind of ego, judgmental spirit, live for what people want. Here's the thing, if you would not do it in front of God's face, which is whose face you're going to be in front of, why are you doing it now? Why are we even going with it at all? Ego, the way that right ego is supposed to be, letter B, is exalting God only. 
That's all we're to be doing. This is all it is. Rather than edging God out, why don't we exalt God only? Well, to do that, you've got to live for what God wants. It's a small thing to be judged. And He that judges me is the Lord. And Paul's saying, what is written is going to matter more. And so guess what happens? Not only live for what God wants, but number two, loving spirit in action. See, any of us can talk about love. We can say we love each other. We're, we're, you know, as husband and wife, we're in love. But if I don't have action that shows that, then there might start to become a question. And so here's the questions. Verse 7. Go through these three questions to find whether you have a loving spirit in action. Verse 7, who makes thee to differ from another? You think you're better than somebody? You look down on people? Are you more gifted? Are you more wealthier? Are you, you've been saved longer. You, you, you know more. You, you have you know, differences between you and whoever. Well, Paul is saying it shows that you don't love. Because really, none of us are any different than each other and God created you just as much as He created me. It doesn't matter what the skin color is. It doesn't matter whether you've been saved a long time or not. It doesn't matter whether you've attended this church. and whether No matter what, it doesn't matter anything. All that doesn't matter because guess who gave it to you to begin with? And guess who where it all came from? It all came from God. And so you don't look down at the poor person that walks in that stinks and it doesn't look the same as you look and you've got a tie on it so you're more spiritual. No, 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 no. God says... Doesn't no difference one another. You're going to look down on somebody. You better remind yourself who, who created you as well. And then the second question, what hast thou that is not received? Oh, you got it by your own merit. Oh, it came to you out of your work, out of your effort. And the advantage you have is because of, of what you have received. No, no, no. You didn't pay for your salvation. You don't deserve what you have. God is the only one who gave it to you. And then the third question. Now if thou didst receive it, which you did, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? We glory as if it came from you. As if everything involves around your life and you are the strutting stuff. No, the real answers to these questions reveal our real heart. Because if I look down on people, if I glory and gloat, and I treat others in such a way that's, that I'm better and they're not, well, you know what? You didn't earn anything. And just because you have more doesn't mean because you earned it. God gave it to you, and as fast as He gave it to you, as fast as He can take it away. Because we're a servant. We're a steward. And it's not about ego of edging God out. It's about exalting God only with everything He gives. And so only by pride comes what? Contention. Puffed up one against another. But notice what's going to happen in verse 5. God's going to bring this to light. Everything. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness. And He's going to make manifest the counsels of the hearts of you and me. Yes. And then shall every man have praise of God. Here's the question, how many things? God's going to have praise for you, but how many things are going to be praiseworthy and worthy of praise? In your life and my life, it'll only be determined how much you are with God. Are you with God? Not whether God's with you. Yes, He came to us, He dwelt with us, Emmanuel, and never leave us nor forsake us. But you know what? There are be evidence that we have God in our life and the greatest association that we could possibly have as an association with God. 
when somebody sees you and somebody sees me, they say, I see Jesus in them. And they're showing me what really true love looks like. And the judgmental spirit's not there. And the, the, what, what people want, living for that, no, it's not there. They are going and doing the best they can to really live for God. Because they must have spent some time and been with God. They spent some time with Jesus this week, and I can see the reflection of Christ in their life. That's a great and wonderful thing to see. And that's what God desires of all of us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this will be a matter that you help me with and that you help all of us with, that we show evidence and that it becomes very obvious that we have been with God. Lord, I thank you that you love us in spite of who we are and that you draw us back to yourself. I pray this morning that you will help us right where we are in the needs that you know about. I pray something spoke to all of us this morning. And they want to improve in our walk with you, I pray. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.